It's time for the PowerMizzou.com podcast with interviews and analysis of your Missouri Tigers. Now, here's your host, Gabe DeArmond. Welcome back to another edition of the PowerMizzou.com podcast. Gabe DeArmond and Mitchell Forty here in Columbia bracing for the storm. Um, football things are happening. We've been hoping to get you some uh, some some access, some some talk with some of the assistant coaches. That hasn't yet happened. Those guys have been on the road at conventions. They've got visitors starting to come in this weekend. So we will talk football when we can talk football. The Chamber tomorrow morning will have uh, hopefully some, some visitors and, and some junior day stuff going on this weekend. We will cover all that. But I think we're going to uh, going to mostly probably talk basketball on this podcast and I'm going to make a very controversial statement to start. Both of these things can be true. This season is not going the way you want it to, and we don't have to talk every day about who should get fired. Right, yeah, especially in this case because Because it's impossible. nobody's going to. Right, it is impossible to fire Conzo Martin before May of uh, 2022 or 2021. So, yeah. And and I know we're both exhausted by saying it, Mm -hmm. but – there are people listening who are saying, what do you mean? I don't get it. So do you want to explain it again, or do you want me to explain it Sure, again? I'll explain it. Basically, <laughs> everyone's like, well, I mean, they can fire him, right? You just have to pay a lot of money. No, no. They, they cannot. It would be a breach of contract to fire him without cause, and losing games is not cause. Cause would be you know, him getting arrested or embarrassing the university or something like that uh, before May of uh, the May following next season, so May of 2021. Uh, and so, and even then they would owe him $6 million to go away. So basically we're looking at at least, uh, the rest of this season and all of next season with Conzo Martin as the head coach, probably and more than that. Probably the next season, because not only is it $6 million, but also that May 1st date is not an accident. Right. Basically, if you're still the coach on May 1st, you're going to be the coach the following season, barring something really weird going on. So that May 1st date really, in essence, assures that he is going to be the head coach for that following season. And look, I mean, it's a very smart contract by his agent. And I know people want to look at it and say, well, why would Missouri do that? Well, look at where Missouri was mm-hmm. when they hired him. Yeah. I mean, if you are, I don't know, who's the worst team in the NFL right now? The Cincinnati Bengals? Yeah. Okay. So if you want to, and I know they're not going to do this, but let's say, you know, Tom Brady's a free agent. And let's say the Cincinnati Bengals want Tom Brady. And they offer, whatever, three years, $60 million. Literally, if any other team in the NFL offers him three years, $60 million, he's taking that. Mm-hmm. So what the Bengals have to do to get him is offer four years and $90 million. Like, you have to overpay when you're in the kind of spot Missouri was in three years ago. Right, and they, you know, they, like, they they didn't just hire someone who was unemployed. They hired someone from another Power Five university, and right. yeah, obviously Jim Starks felt really strongly about the hire. And uh, you know, like you said, I mean, like when uh, Tuesday's game was horrible. It was an abomination. Missouri was blown off the floor. But you know, we do this a lot in basketball, and you really can't do it is overreact to one game. You know, after the Florida game on Saturday, people were saying, "Oh, you know, they figured it out. This is going to be a tournament team. We're turning it around." And now it's, you know, we got to fire the guy. You, you just, I mean, in especially this college basketball season, but really in all college basketball seasons, you just cannot go game by game like that. And, and I feel like I, I say this every single basketball season. The problem is, we are such a football culture. Like 
football is the most popular sport, college and pro, and uh, it, it is what we all watch. So in football, there's only 12 games, and each one is kind of a referendum, right? I mean, it's very easy to lose a football game and go, oh, man, this thing's over. Uh, y- even if they win next week, it's still – but in basketball, there are 32 – there is one team in America that hasn't lost a game, and that team is probably like – what, a four seed maybe? You're right. Yeah, they have not played that many good teams. Yeah. Yeah. So everybody is going to lose. And everybody, I mean, Kentucky has lost to Evansville, Utah, and South Carolina this year. Mm -hmm. That's not good. Florida, I I mean, what do you think Florida fans were saying Sunday morning? Yeah, no, I'm sure they were very upset. I mean, Mike White was mad in the postgame. They were were probably saying, (laughs) when does football start? Right. Mike White was furious in the the postgame. He, it, it was it, we were we were joking after his press conference. It was great because he was clearly so visibly angry. He was picking his words very carefully, and so he was talking so slowly. You could just transcribe the whole interview as he talked. <laughs> right, right. It, it clearly was going through his head. I need to figure out what to say here so I don't absolutely destroy the players on my team. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like, and, you know, we're not – saying Missouri is in the same class as, as Kentucky or even probably Florida. But, like, these things happen. Um, you know, there are definitely things to be concerned about with the with the state of the basketball team. Um, you know, I, I think that probably both of the last two games were sort of outliers. Um, but, you know, I think it's fair to think that they're probably closer to the team that they were against Mississippi State than they were against Florida. But, um, you know, like we said, Conzo Martin's going to have – quite a bit of time to get this figured out. See, that's what I was going to ask. So they're not the team they were against Florida, and they're not the team they were against Mississippi State. But I was going to say, which one do you think they're closer to? And your answer is Mississippi State. Yeah, it is. I mean, look, they've you know they've played four SEC games now. They've failed to top 60 in three of them. Um, they've started slow quite a bit this year. I mean, it's been a theme in several losses, the Xavier game, the two games in Kansas City, the Charleston Southern game, and now uh, this loss at Mississippi State. It's, it's, it's a problem. Um, I think I think the biggest thing that the the two point guards, especially Drew Smith, it's kind of as they go, Missouri goes, and uh, Xavier Pinson and Drew Smith haven't been super consistent. Um, and you know they both were Pinson was pretty much invisible, and Drew Smith was was not very good on uh, on Tuesday. And and that's kind of they're the two guys that can really kind of spark the offense, get to the basket, get the whole thing going. And and they need those two guys to be better. Yeah. So so the extremes are they. F- 45 points against Mississippi State, season low. 91 points against against Florida, season high. And we can talk about how those two things possibly happen back-to-back in a minute. But basically, if you split the difference there, that is 68 points per game. In league play so far, I just did the math in my head, and Missouri is averaging about 66 points a game. Uh, it's like 40, but they haven't scored 66 in three of them. You know, mm-hmm. that, that, that number's being skewed. If you give me 68 as the over-under, I think Missouri's probably under that in SEC play by the end of the season on, on a per-game average. And, and I'm taking out 91 points against Chicago State, 82 against Incarnate Word. I'm just talking about right, just right, right. Conference, conference play. play. Yeah, I would, I would agree. I mean, this season, they've only broken 66 against the top 100 team once. I mean, they scored 91, which helps. Right. Um, and th- there will be other games where they, you know, obviously score more. I mean, like this coming game against Alabama, they might not win, but you could easily lose to Alabama scoring 75. Right. But, yeah, no, I think I would take the under, under 68 for and conference play. Because it, it, we've now seen – a lot more games that look closer to Mississippi State than we've seen 
because we've seen literally none that look like Florida except for Florida. Because right. I don't count Chicago State. That's not a game that even happened, in my opinion. But Butler, that looked a whole lot like Mississippi State. Oklahoma looked a whole lot like Mississippi State. Xavier, even though they got to overtime, looked yeah. a whole lot like Mississippi. Charleston Southern looked like Mississippi State. Right, I mean, and and in none of those other games you mentioned, did they do quite everything wrong like they did against Mississippi State when they couldn't score, turned the ball over, allowed transition points, and didn't play good defense? But, right. like, yeah, those several of those problems have popped up at other times this year. And, and that's, that's, I think, the biggest concern out of that Mississippi State game is not they didn't score. Well, this team doesn't score. Like, mm-hmm. that's not a shot. They didn't play defense either. Their defense, I mean, Mississippi State shot 61% for the game, and everybody wanted to focus on how does Jeremiah Tillman change the offense. Let's talk about how Jeremiah Tillman changes the defense because it was bad against Tennessee when he didn't play. It was, I I guess it was, they got a lot of steals against Florida, Mm -hmm. but, you know, I I think we need to talk about maybe that Florida game had as much to do with Florida as it did with Missouri. Um, But then it was bad against Mississippi State. So we've seen three full games without him, and they've played two-plus games of below-average defense. Yeah, and the biggest thing, in in my opinion, the biggest cause for concern, a lot of some of Mississippi State's points came off turnovers, actually quite a few. But this is now the third time in four SEC games that an opponent uh, forward has just dominated Missouri, really. Nick Richards had 21 and 12. Kerry Blackshear, I think, had 24. Um, it didn't really matter because Missouri was shooting lights out. And then Reggie Perry had, what, 23 and 10? And 10 so, yeah, I mean, clearly they miss Tillman down low. Um, obviously, he played in that game against Kentucky, but he only played eight minutes. Um, and, and all those guys are, you know, those are big guys who can get second chance points and also kind of stretch the floor. And that's where, you know, it's a tough matchup for the guys Missouri has now, which, you know, Reed Nico can, can guard a guy maybe in the post, but he's not able to come out on a guy. And if you put anyone else really on Missouri's lineup, other than Axel Congo hasn't played much now out on, on, on a guy like that, he can just take him in the post. So it's clearly an issue, uh, with, with Tillman out and something to continue to watch moving forward. Yeah. Because like Tennessee, I mean, their big guy is what John Funkerson, like right. <laughs> he's like he plays his role. I think he had like ten points. That's fine, but he's not a guy that's going to go get exactly. you twenty five and twelve. Yeah, um, there are guys in this league who can do that though. So, look, I, I'm not yet ready to say this team cannot possibly make the NCAA tournament because, of course, they can't possibly. But realistically, it's at least time we stop talking about that as hey, this is what they need to do to get there, right? Right. I feel like there's just other things you need to accomplish before that, right? Yeah. You know, there's just other goals. Like, it's it's first, like, string together two decent two games. games in a row. Yeah. You know, beat the teams you should beat, a team you should beat or something. Or one of those other teams that we talk about is right in the middle of the pack in the SEC. I mean, yeah, like you said, it's not, you know, inconceivable to think they could make the NCAA tournament. But but right now, it's just like that seems to be, you know, too far out in front. You, you know, you even talk about individual players like see some some more out of like the wings like you know stop Javon Pickett has been playing good offense but he's been a turnover machine and you know the point guards like I mentioned have been inconsistent Torrance Watson's not been very good like stuff like that and and other than what I liked about that Florida game was Mark Smith drove he got to the free throw line Mm -hmm. Torrance Watson took a two-point shot (laughs) in that game and then you get to the Mississippi State game and Look, I, I don't think it – everybody blames the coach. I get it. But do we really think Conzo Martin went into that game and said, look, that worked really well against Florida. Don't do that. Just yeah. stand on the three-point line and shoot. Of course he didn't. Now, right. there's two problems. 
Number one, I don't think that's in either Watson or Mark Smith's nature to be that guy. Mm-hmm. They view themselves as shooters. But number two, if you look at Mississippi State, like they've got long, tall guards. Mm-hmm. Mark Smith and Torrance Watson, maybe they just can't get around those guys. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure, like you said, you know, maybe the message wasn't quite as harped like the day that before that Florida game we talked to the players and they were all talking about getting to the rim more. But sure, certainly it was, you know, it worked. Like you would think they would continue to do it. But Mississippi State's defense was really impressive. Uh, they were, they're, they're a very long team and they they were clearly, you know, they were they were on three in conference play. They were desperate. They were playing very hard. And Missouri's offense was disjointed from the jump. I mean, their first three pos- possessions were three turnovers and a Mitchell Smith fadeaway three off the side of the backboard. Oh. So. The Mitchell Smith fadeaway three off the side of the backboard was the best possession they had in three minutes because they actually got a shot off. Right. So, yeah, I I, I go back to, and I mentioned it earlier, just the point guards. I think those guys, they have to, you know, play a little more under control and kind of set the tone. And, and once, once you know, Drew Smith and Xavier Pinson can kind of get going and get to the basket, I think everyone kind of takes the cue off of them. Um, so I think that's kind of the biggest key to look for uh, going forward. And, and, look, we all know this team doesn't have, like, a go-to guy, right? Mm-hmm. I, um, but – here was the biggest concern for me. I mean, Drew Smith on Saturday played, Mike White said, he played like an all-SEC player. Mm-hmm. 22 points, six boards, five steals, or six assists, five steals. Fantastic all-around game. He had two points and four turnovers in 32 minutes at Mississippi State. And you don't want to lay it all on him, but it, it's part of a bigger conversation, which is what, when he goes into a game, what can Conzo Martin look at and say, I know I'm getting this. Right. I mean, Kerry Blackshear ain't going to have 24 and 10 every night, but he's never going to have two. Mm-hmm. You know, Reggie Perry's not going to have 22 and 10 every night, but he's always going to give you something. Right. Uh, it, the guy who's probably Missouri's best player, he can't have two points in 32 minutes. And what you looked it up like a minus 32? Minus 32 in the plus minus. Yeah. That is almost impossible. Yeah. And I mean, I know Drew Smith's not a guy who looks for a shot, but it, it he, he even should. if even if he's not if he's scoring in, you know, single figures or whatever, it, it needs to be Conzo Martin knows he's scoring slash creating X number of points, you know? Right. And another Conzo said after that Florida game, when he shoots the three, it opens up the rest of his game. Mm-hmm. He was, I think, 0 for 2 against Mississippi State. Now, look, I don't want him taking nine. Right. But he needs to take more than two. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like, I think, I think you know, part of that is just the makeup of this team. It's like, I, I think Drew Smith would be better suited being a guy like Rajon Rondo who who can score, you know, like eight points a game, but really look to get everyone else involved and do a little bit of everything. But Missouri can't have, I mean, Missouri doesn't have enough other offensive threats to, to get that out of him. They need him to, to be a little bit more assertive. And, and I think college basketball is very much a game. Like, there needs to be a pecking order on the team. There needs to be, when we've got to get something, we need a guy who says, this is me. Mm-hmm. This team has no Marcus Denman. Mm-hmm. This team has no Kerry Blackshear, no Nick Richards, no Anthony Edwards. You know, we need a bucket. This is me. They know I'm getting it, but I don't care. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get it anyway. Yeah, and I think I think the guy who's been closest to that this year is Xavier Pinson, but he's been really inconsistent between foul and, trouble, turnovers, and just playing time. So and, Yeah, and just the side. I mean, there are matchups where – He's just not big enough. Yeah, he can't absolutely. do it. They're strong enough. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't know. They're what, nine and seven. They're one and three in the league. I think one of their, it, I, I mean, I tweeted out last night after Alabama beat Auburn, which was undefeated in the league previously. LSU is now four and oh, but it realistically should have lost to Texas A&M. And probably Mississippi State. Tuesday night. So 
I, I tweeted out last night that I want every team to finish 9-9. Nine and nine. I know that's not going to happen, but I really think that you could see teams like 4 through 13 separated by two games. Yeah. But the problem is the teams that are supposed to be down there at the bottom, Mississippi State hadn't won a league game, and then they blew Missouri off the court. A&M all of a sudden looks pretty decent. Mm-hmm. South Carolina just beat Kentucky. I mean, I think Vanderbilt's probably – Pretty clearly 14? Yeah, I would think so. Especially yes, with, with, it, with, how, with A&M injuries. playing better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I mean, there's not a single game you look at on Missouri's schedule and say, yeah, that's that's a win. Yeah, and Missouri gets Vanderbilt on the road, so yeah, absolutely right. not. Not even that one. Yeah, no, I agree. And and with the you know the inconsistency of this team and the inconsistency also of the other teams in this yes. league, yeah, you're you're right. You're you know, and that's that's really and, what it boils down to is you know, like like you said before, I think you said it on the message board the other night. This team is you. You're gonna see them play some good games. They're not hopeless. They're not Kim Anderson bad. They're gonna go out there. They're gonna have. They're gonna surprise some people. They're gonna win. Some, but you you cannot count on it like often enough. They'll probably enough. beat Arkansas here, for right. example. Yeah, you, you know can't, they could beat Auburn here. Yeah, you can't count on it often enough to compile the the resume and the victories you need to you know probably make a tournament, which is where people want this team to be. And, and I find it really interesting the the argument always when you're talking about is a conference good or bad, everybody says, "Well, look how good our twelfth place team." Is. <laughs> well. Now, the 12th place team might be as good as the second place team in the SEC. You know what that means? The second place team sucks. Yeah. And the league's not very good. Yeah. And so you combine Missouri's non conference with what this league is. And even if they find a way to nine and nine, which I picked them nine to nine after the Mississippi State game, I know everybody says, oh, there's no way they can't do it. Whatever. If they go beat Alabama, you'll feel differently. But. Even if they get to nine and nine, it's not good enough. No, I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I looked at the the first edition or latest edition or whatever of Joe Lenardi's Black College, and I think I want to say he only had four SEC teams in, maybe five: uh, Auburn, uh, LSU, Kentucky, Arkansas, and Florida was like a Florida. Ten, was the one of the last four in, I think. So yeah, I think he had five. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's and I can't, I don't know that. I mean, there's going to be others that are hovering around that bubble, but I, I'm not sure it gets to to many more than that. So let, let's talk about the SEC a little bit. Do we agree Auburn's the best team in the league? Oh, I don't know. I really I don't. I think they are. Probably. But, I mean, they they didn't beat anyone all that good in non-conference play. I also haven't watched them play it until last night, and they were not very good last night. Right. So I'm probably biased in that regard. But, yeah, I mean, I they're, they're probably a safe bet and, to be the best team. So that – well, let's, let's say we think Auburn's won, but if they're not, they're in a group with mm-hmm. Arkansas, LSU – Kentucky. Kentucky, yeah, I, I think it's, one yeah. of those four wins the league, right? Yeah, I, I even think you could probably throw Arkansas. I think they, I mean, they've been a good story. They've been, they've played well. They're going to be a tough I'm out. But, with them. Yeah, I think, I think uh, at least from a talent perspective, it's it's Auburn, Kentucky, and LSU top three. Okay, and and then you've got let's say Arkansas, Florida, and then mm-hmm. anybody else in the next group. Uh, I mean, not that I, mean, I can think of off the top like of my I head. Like I kind of want to say Georgia, but I don't really. No, think they're so. too young. They're too young. They've got they've got the best player in the league, but they're right. too young. So then, I don't know. Is Group Three just everybody else? <laughs> yeah, everyone until Vanderbilt? you get down to Vandy, and yeah, you can maybe make a little separation above like A and M. Not South Carolina anymore. I would say that they're they're the most bipolar team in a bipolar league in a yeah. bipolar sport. They've I mean, they've beaten Virginia and Kentucky and lost to Stetson and Boston U. And, like, <laughs> Ole Miss isn't good, but I think on, they, they were a tournament team on the right night. They're capable of being good. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Missouri's very good, to be honest. On the right yeah. night, they're capable. But I, I, I think it's 
Okay, so what's more likely? Missouri's playing on the first day of the SEC tournament, or are they finishing the top half of the league stand? Well, I'll take and, t- and we're not talking top four. We're yeah. talking seven. I'll take top half because I, I think I think I think the like you said the the difference between you know four five six seven and you know the next few is is very slim. You know, you beat the right teams, you win a tiebreaker, you have you end up as the you know eight and ten, nine and nine in the league. That could get you anywhere, in my opinion, from like fifth to ninth. Yeah. Um. I I don't know. I think. I'm definitely not discounting the possibility that they're a bottom four team. Right. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like, there's, you know, there's there's plenty of bad teams in this league. <laughs> Vanderbilt's yeah. not very good, like you said. I mean, A&M was horrible in the non-conference. South Carolina, even though they've got some good wins, are, are not, you know, very talented. So I don't know. I mean, like, I could definitely see them being a bottom four team, but I'm taking the uh, the top half. What about you? So, I think it's more likely they they finish 11th than 7th. Mm-hmm. Um, I think – I, if I had to pick it, I'd pick them somewhere between those two. Like yeah. they'll be in that seven ten or eight nine game. Yeah. Um, but I I think the issue that people have, and look, this team is they're a little worse than I thought, but I thought they were going to be worse than a lot of people. Like right. I didn't I didn't quite buy into the hey this team's going to be in the mix for a double buy top four in this league. I I never saw that. Mm-hmm. But but I did think they'd be better than this. But the people who are so discouraged and so distraught, I think it has less to do with this season and more to do with the fact that they look at next season. Mm-hmm. And Jeremiah Tillman, I mean, Reed Nicko's gone. We know that. Mm-hmm. So what's the upside for Jordan Wilmore as a freshman? Maybe he gives you what Reed Nicko's giving you now? Yeah. Like, that's I, I the think, ceiling, isn't it? Yeah, I think he's pretty universally regarded as a project. I mean, I, I don't think he's going to be coming in and, and giving right. you, so, you know, 10 and 8. So, Reed Nicko for Jordan Wilmore is is not a net improvement, right? No, I wouldn't think so. And, and by the way, and I posted this on our message board the other day, freshman expectations, people have to understand. Before the season, a lot of people were saying, well, if Trey Jackson can just give us 8 points and 4 rebounds as a freshman, that's good. I don't think people realize how difficult that is to do. Kobe Kobe Brown has been pretty good, right? Yeah, he's better been than better than I expected, yeah. He's averaging six points and three rebounds a game. Right. I, I, I mean, eight and four is nothing to sneeze at. You know, I see all the time, well, why can't Missouri just have a guy average double-digit rebounds? Well, because there's like 26 guys in the country who do that. Yeah. Or, you know, I why can't – because every time – if you're averaging double-digit rebounds – if you get five one night, you got to get 15 some other night or 11 five nights. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's really hard to do. So eight and four is is more difficult. But the point of all that is Reed Nicko out, Jordan Wilmore in, is like at best a net neutral. Probably, honestly, next year, even if you throw Axel Okongo into that, a net negative. We don't know what's happening with Jeremiah Tillman. But here's the main reason I think everybody's concerned. And this is I, – I always am a little bit – it, Phil Steele is is very um, big on ex- returning starters and experience. That's mm-hmm. how he does most of his projections in, mm-hmm. in college football, who has the most guys who have played before. We just automatically assume everybody that's coming back next year is going to be better than he was this year. So let's run down this. Xavier Pinson's better than he was last year, right? Yeah. Is Mark yeah, Smith I better? Mm, Sam, I mean, I mean he's, he's healthy. on the court. Yeah, he's healthy. Uh, but no, I I don't think I mean against good teams he's really only had right. one good game against a good team maybe two. So so Mark yeah. Smith is at at best the same player he was last year. Is Torrance mm-hmm. Watson better? 
No, definitely I, not. I don't think he's way worse, but I don't right. think he's. I mean, he was he was he's definitely worse than he was at the end of the year, but I think he's still even a little worse than he was at the beginning of the year. Jeremiah Tillman's not better. No. Mitchell Smith better. I mean, yeah, he's so he's better because he's, he's contributing playing. at all. Yeah, but I mean, you know, he's probably. I mean, he's probably not the guy you want to be playing the most minutes of the guy of anyone in your front court so basically what we've got is out of those five or six returning players one and a half of them are better than they were last year now that's a little low but even if three of the six for the record i think javon pickett's slightly better i'd say say see i think javon pickett's the exact same player he was last year okay so we've got seven guys but we'll give pickett a half we'll say two (laughs) so let's be optimistic and say that of those guys because they're all coming back next year let's say four of them are better than they are this year but if you don't have Tillman, is this a, it's it, the point is it's hard to see a better team next year than you're seeing this year, isn't it? Yeah, I agree. I think the I mean, yeah. First of all, I, I do like your point about about you know expect expectations for players. I, we I talked about this on the message board the other day a little bit with someone. Um, you know, I think part of the the disconnect, like you said, is people were basing expectations for this year off of kind of nothing, off of hope. Um, you know, saying this could be like a top six seed in the NCAA tournament. It's like based based off right. what. Um, but yeah, and and I think what it comes down to is Conzo Martin needs to find a go-to scorer and a guy who can allow Drew Smith to play the role he's meant to play, which is just being you know a guy who can who can you know take care of the ball and get it to other people and not score twenty points a game, and Mark Smith to be a spot-up shooter. And the the pickings are very slim. I mean, you're right. talking if you're talking if, about if a true freshman, Josh Christopher, right. this conversation changes. Exactly, I was going to say if you're talking about a true freshman, it's almost got to be Josh Christopher. And then if you're talking about a transfer, the, the market to get a grad transfer who could do that, or a you know a guy who's going to be eligible right away, it's going to be very hard to to and convince that guy to come to your team. Yeah, exactly. And so it, I also, by the way, I was reminded today the hilarity of the discussion when Caleb Love went to North Carolina, the people who were saying, it's okay, we're deep, he wouldn't have started here anyway. Yeah. Caleb Love maybe could start for this team now. Oh, you probably, know, yeah. I, I mean, I really believe that. Um, so I, I guess that's the, that's the concern is what if you're in the same place at the end of year four then you're, as you're at at the end of year three, then that is a concern, right? I mean, that's – it. it but we can't just assume the next 16 months are going the way we think they are. Yeah. No, for sure. I think, I mean, look, like like as we said at the jump, Consul Martin's going to get plenty of time to turn this around. And while some people may be concerned about giving him, you know, two and a half more seasons, especially based off of Tuesday's game, I don't think that's necessarily a horrible you thing. Everyone is, you know, impatient with coaches. You know, we're going to get a chance. He's going to get a chance to prove that he can or can't do the job definitively, basically. So, you know, we, we will we will continue to, to monitor as it goes. I think the recruiting is a concern. I think he needs to find someone who can be, you know, that number one scorer. And I think that's, you know, that's really hard to do, but he gets paid a lot of money to do it. Um, so we'll, you know, he'll have plenty of time, like I said, to, to get it done. And that goes back to, you know, again, the contract and everything. When they hired him, I said, Look, he's going to get time. I whether he's the right guy or not, I don't know. But for Missouri, he has to be the right. Like Jim Sterk had to be right on that hire. Mm-hmm. Because let's say for the sake of argument, Jim Sterk ends up wrong on that hire. Let's say whether it's two years, three years, whatever it is down the road that that Conzo is it doesn't finish this contract, that he's he's fired. You are now 10 years removed from this being a decent program? I mean, and 
I understand that one year, yes, they were a decent program. They were a decent team, all that. But one year, that's the difference between a decent team and a decent program. Mm-hmm. If if you if somebody has to replace Conzo Martin, whenever that is, like the kids you're recruiting were six the last time you were good. <laughs> that's a, 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 that that that's that's tough. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, we we've talked about it many times on here and elsewhere that. This is one of the places that, you know, people kind of care about basketball in the SEC. Well, if you go a decade without being good, well, yeah, will they then? I mean, we're already kind of seeing it. Like, you know, I don't necessarily blame people for not packing the arena right now, but we're already kind of seeing, you know, where it's it's hard. You you know, people haven't seen an exciting basketball team minus the the Porter year, uh, 2017-2018 year in in a while. And it's harder to, to, you know, generate excitement around the students and and the the people of kind of my age around this program. Right. And I guess we kind of can can just wrap up talking about that. I mean, I've said over and over, this should be a top four program in the league because I remember when it was, and I'm, you remember when it was good. I remember when it was really good. Mm -hmm. I remember when it was top 20 in the country. Um, And so while that is the expectation, when do we get to the point where that's not reality? I mean, I, I often said I, I drew the ire of many Nebraska fans because around 2011, I, I started saying Nebraska fans are mad because Missouri has caught them as a program because, yeah, they, they played for a national title in like 2000, but that doesn't matter to these kids anymore. Mm-hmm. The last your program is basically five years. What have you done the last five years? Well, if we get two years down the road and Conzo Martin hasn't done it, we're talking double that time. Right. I mean, I'm in a sense, you can say we're sort of there now because, you know, really what it comes down to in recruiting is, you know, have you been good lately? Has your school produced pros lately? What are your facilities like? And right. the majority of the SEC is pretty even in that regard is Mizzou. I mean, obviously yeah. there's a few that are ahead, um, but there's, you know, and there's a few that are, are way behind, but like even the schools that, you know, we say the fans don't care all that much about basketball. Like it's not like they've done significantly lesser and everyone has comparable facilities at this point, I think. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, in a sense, um, you know, that is, I mean, we're, we're kind of there now. Certainly, you know, fan support and donations and stuff like that are, are really important and Missouri should still be ahead of a lot of SEC programs in that regard. But yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely, you know, something to, to talk about. So let's just use that benchmark since Missouri, Missouri joined the SEC. This is their seventh basketball season. I don't know exactly. I know what Missouri's record is in mm-hmm. that time. It's 36 and 40 plus whatever it was in the Kim Anderson year. So <laughs> it's really bad, um, you know, but let's, Let's just kind of – Kentucky's obviously been the best program in the league over yeah. that period of time. Number two, I mean, overall, and when you're taking into account trends, LSU or Auburn? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, Auburn, has a, Auburn has a Final Four in that time. Uh, LSU Florida, had a league title last Florida, year. Did Florida go to the Final Four in, like, what was it, 2014? I'm not sure. They were really good. They were a one seed in the tournament. I don't remember if they went to probably Florida. But, but okay, so Florida, Auburn, LSU, Auburn, LSU in that um, next tier of Tennessee's. Just, Tennessee been, is a step below that, I yeah. think, because they were yeah, they okay, dipped for a while. then really good. Now they're mm-hmm. nobody's sure. Um, yeah. But you, well, I South mean, those, Carolina went to a final they've four. They've clearly <laughs> been better. Right. South Carolina, what an aberration. <laughs> that was so weird. I, I mean, because like they were bad before it. They weren't even that good the year they did. No, they were like a 10 seed. They were a seven. They were a seven. Yeah, they were a seven. seven and they beat second seeded Florida to get there. 
yeah. is what happened. Um, so, but I mean, South Carolina's at least Missouri's equal as a basketball program since they joined the league. Probably better, right? Yeah. I mean, since Missouri joined the league, almost everyone's been better. I'm not even. We're not talking well, necessarily about that. I'm taking out the three commanders. Right. You got to take. Yeah, um, you know. but I'm just talking in terms of yeah the things that kind of matter in recruiting. I still I think that yeah Pete most of the teams in the league are, are pretty much on a level playing field with Missouri, and a lot of them are closer right. to good talent than Missouri. I guess the point is, in in the easiest kind of parallel for me to draw is I said. Missouri and Kansas had to start playing again soon because otherwise you were getting to a point where people didn't understand why it mattered. Mm -hmm. Missouri's got to be good at basketball pretty soon because we're getting to a point where the people don't think it matters. Right, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know when that is. I don't really think it's Saturday in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, uh, I mean, see, the, this is the thing. I I should just go ahead and throw this out there. I've missed the you last— picked every game I, wrong, I, I've right? I've picked three consecutive games wrong. Uh, so oh, that's, you were right against Kentucky. Kentucky, that yeah. yeah, that's the only one I've gotten right, which was pretty predictable. Uh, you know, based off of watching Alabama last night and Missouri on Tuesday, uh, I really like Alabama, especially it's a road game for Missouri, and you know they they're gonna have to score a lot of points to win, which is not their specialty. But it's with the way this season's gone for Missouri and the SEC as a whole, like I, you should not even listen to my pick. I shouldn't even make it. So. Right. I, I expect because of how bad Missouri looked on Tuesday, I expect them to make a game of it. I think it will be a close game on Saturday. I don't think they'll win. The much bigger game is, is it next Tuesday against Texas A&M? Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah, next week they play A&M. That's here. Mm -hmm. If they lose that one, then, uh, I mean, then we're talking about bottom four and, oh, my God, what happened to this season. Yeah. So that's that's the one. I mean, yeah, you'd love to win Saturday and probably to have any realistic, hey, can we do this NCAA tournament talk? They have to, but for now we're putting that on the shelf. And just to get back to, can this be an NIT team? Can this team salvage something? Like, they better beat Texas A&M next week. Um, all right, so it was all basketball because, frankly, I don't know if anything else is going on. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Oh, not really. Um, yeah, no, we, we touched on football and how there will be recruiting happening that we yes. don't have information on yet because it hasn't happened yet. Yes, it will happen. Um, I don't know. Other things might be happening. Uh, it's going to ice and be miserable here. So, awesome. Yeah, should be a good time. All right. Thanks for listening. Uh, next week, we'll be back. I don't know. Maybe we'll call somebody next week. We'll see how it goes.